You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Wentz from the shotgun, takes the snap. Here comes the rush. Wentz gets hit by Frank Clark, and Clark slams him down. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and ten, the play fake. Russell looks, going to lay it up for the end zone. Doug Baldwin reaches out, makes the catch. Is he in? He is. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insiders Podcast as we get you ready for all things Seahawks leading up to the Thursday night game against the Green Bay Packers. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks, joined as always by John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Hello, Jen. How are you? I am well. I am having a hard time wrapping my head around the schedule this week. I was going to say I have no idea what day it is. Great. And people keep asking, well, what are you doing tomorrow? It's like, well, could you tell me what tomorrow is first and then i might be able to figure this thing out these thursday night weeks are strange everything's compressed i don't know if it's is it competition wednesday today is it thursday is it it's sort of friday because it's the day before the day before as pete carroll would say you just confused me and run circles around me and we are less than two minutes into this podcast that's what i do Fantastic. So I have no idea what's going to happen next. I do know that we all get Sunday off to watch some football, which will be a heck of a lot more fun if the Seahawks can get a win against the Packers because there are playoff implications on the line on Thursday night. But before we take a look at that matchup, it feels odd to talk about playoffs when you have a team that is four and five. But, John, what we saw against the Rams on Sunday, again, I think it just proves how good the Seahawks are and how close they are. And I hate saying that after a loss. It's tough. And, you know, especially when you've had a couple of those where you feel like they played really good football against the Rams. They were in it till the end, had a chance to go down and win it in both games, but just couldn't quite come up with it. And, you know, I said this after the last Rams game, if they play that game against – other teams they're going to win a lot of these games down the stretch but at some point and that point needs to happen really soon these games that you feel good about how you play have to be wins because look at four and five the CX want to be a playoff team they can't afford to lose more than maybe one possibly two games the rest of the way and you know that's it's a tough stretch going starting with this game against the Packers. It is, and when you take a look at what it means for the playoffs, you still have the Packers to play. You've got the Vikings to play. You so win you both of those games. You can absolutely help yourself in addition to just getting some other wins. You've got Carolina in a couple of weeks. That's another one that you need to take care of business on. And, you know, I, I think going into the game Sunday against the Rams, when you find out that Chris Carson isn't playing and that DJ Fluker isn't playing, two really crucial pieces in that first First game against L.A., you think, I'm not sure that this one's going to be close. To see 273 rushing yards, it's unbelievable. And we're still talking about them losing. How did they do that? Not the losing part, the running part. You know, it's it's a lot of things, but it's really that, you know, what we've been hearing is it's, it is, it's the commitment to it. It's the whole group. It's Mike Solari, kind of his influence on that line. But, I mean, Jordan Simmons had never started an NFL game. He had never, outside of a few special team snap, he had never been on the field. He barely played in college because he had a bunch of knee he problems. Had some knee problems, yeah. Hometown kid. He's from Inglewood. Played at USC. Makes his first start. He played a really good game. He was solid there. They they went with him over Ethan, Ethan Posick because they wanted the size against, you know, especially against Ndamukong Sue. And then part of it's just we've talked over and over again about how depth, how deep this team is at running back. You know, they went out and drafted Rashad Penny. He was having a hard time getting on the field because Chris Carson and Mike Davis had played so well. 
he got his chance and he really took advantage first hundred yard game of his career looked really explosive he had three explosive runs an 18 yarder 24 yarder 38 yarder it's you know it, it's really encouraging to see that this team you know you obviously want to have everybody available but they've shown on a couple occasions now that they can run it with whoever's in there and give Rashad Penny a lot of credit because he has dealt with his share of critics and doubters, and he's only, what, nine games into yeah. his NFL career. And what you saw in those explosive plays, yes, the blocking has to be there up front, but, but a, lot a lot of that, of that happen, is yeah. on the backs to make the read and be patient enough to set that up. Yeah, he showed, I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the touchdown or the 24-yarder, but he had this great jump cup. Uh, I can't speak today. Jump cut is the phrase I'm looking for. Where, you know, initially it didn't look like there was a lot there, and then boom, he bounces out around the edge and just goes flying down the sideline. It, you know, as Pete Carroll put it, he looked more like the player before the finger injury that kind of was a setback for him, the player they saw in camp who looked so good. That's a real weapon if you add that for the second half, and all of a sudden you've got one more guy who's, you know, not just looking like he can get the job done, but can be a difference maker making those big plays. I really liked what he said after the game when I asked him about kind of what the difference was and how he was reading that differently. And he said one of the big keys was not to look two to three plays ahead because before he knew that his chances were limited when you have a healthy Chris Carson and a Mike Davis. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't as focused on one carry. He was trying to figure out how kind of get, in that yeah. moment, how do I get the second in the third carry of the game he said when I knew that I was going to get some chances because the Seahawks weren't going to take a chance on Chris Carson not being a hundred percent on that one he said it really just allowed me to do what I was supposed to do on every play and I think that is also growth and maturity from a young player who is feeling pressure to succeed yeah and now the question is what do they do at running back yeah you can't ask me that question because I was going to ask you that question well I, I'll bring it up rhetorically and then answer my own question but (laughs) you've got three guys who've rushed for 100 yards this season you're starting running back comes back this week how how do you sort those carries out Uh, but and can we just take a second and appreciate what you just said we have three different running backs who have rushed for over 100 yards in the course of the season the Seahawks have far surpassed their rushing totals rushing touchdowns by a running back this year compared to last. This is a good problem to have when you consider what the conversation it has really been is. like I the mean, last couple of years. You go back from Marshawn Lynch's last year here in 2015. You know, Marshawn Lynch fans were incredibly spoiled, not just because of how good he was, but how durable yes. he was. That's incredibly hard to do at that position. And he missed, I think, one game from when he With got here injury, until yep. 2015. Then he gets hurt. Thomas Rawls comes in, plays well. He gets hurt. And that was sort of the beginning of this trend of, you think you have something, the guy gets hurt, the guy gets hurt, and just so many guys banged up. So now all of a sudden, I mean, yeah, Carson's been a little banged up this year, but you've got kind of this embarrassment of riches of of options. And I think now getting back to the rhetorical question that you're asking and answering here is we have seen the Seahawks try to get guys going in years past and not have that work. So when you have three guys – my guess, and this is just me personally, is you go back to the guy who got you to this point and you allow Chris Carson to have those carries. But we have already seen that you have got to manage some of those touches. I think the question becomes, can Rashad Penny or Mike Davis be just as effective when they don't get the bulk of the carries? Yeah, I mean, I will say this. That was only 12 carries for Rashad Penny. That's so you true. can find yeah. – to me, it's not a hard – it's not that big a ask to get two of those guys involved in the game. I don't know that it's realistic to get all three. 
and I don't know who the odd man out is, if it's kind of a, you know, you give them all a series and see how it looks, but that can be a little misleading because you get one blown assignment, you, a guy gets tackled, it's a three and out, and then is that really fair if he gets put on the shelf because he didn't get a block that he needed? I, you know, it's a tough, you know, as you said, it's a good problem to have. It's a tough one because, you know, you're you're not going to get three guys 10 to 15 carries a game. It's just not really doable. Especially when the Seahawks are running the ball about 34 times a game, which is a significant number. It is one of the highest numbers in the NFL, but you're right. There's only so many different carries. And Russ accounts for a few and, of those as well. And Russ did. And so how did Russ in the running game kind of keep things together? He ran for the most yards we have seen him run for this season. Yeah, you know, some of that was we saw it's always funny in these games. You'll see a couple of zone reads where he hands it off and the guy gets tackled and you think, man, just keep it, just keep it. And then he did a few times in the second half. And then later in the game, you know, I think it has to do with how the Rams are playing, protecting lead. There's a lot of stuff open in the middle of the field for him to scramble. But that, as we've seen over the years, that makes a big difference. And one thing, we'll never be able to fully quantify it. But, you know, over the years, I would think Russell, the threat of Russell Wilson has accounted for a lot of yards by running backs because there, you know, you just you account for that one edge defender who's got to hesitate for even if it's just that momentary hesitation of did he hand it off or not that can make the difference between a big play and a short game. When you talk about hesitation, I think that has also been something that has come up in relation to Russ this week. For all the good that we saw from the Seahawks, there are three. I, I don't know if I want to say concerning, but certainly numbers that. I would not like to see in a box score on the final stats. And I think with Russ, we did see a little bit of hesitation. And for two weeks in a row, we have seen a turnover in the fourth quarter that has changed the momentum and really kind of changed how things played out. What has Pete said about that? Yeah, you know, it's each one was obviously a very different play in terms of the turnover. The interception was just, you know, as Russell Wilson said, he, he made a bad read, didn't think the defender was kind of sitting on that route like that. The sack was it was a good play, you know, maybe he could have felt that pressure and stepped up a tiny bit, but I mean, it was it wasn't even like he got blown up on the play, it was just his arm was back to throw it and and Fowler just got a hand in there. So, yeah, it's, you know, overall and it's not just on the quarterback, but they just need to find a way to finish. This is a team that over the years under Pete Carroll has finished so well, and now, you know, in all these close games this year, they haven't quite been able to pull it out. So, yeah, some of that is a quarterback, but some of that's everybody else on offense. Some of that's coaching. I mean, you can you can spread the blame around, but whoever you want to point the finger at, they got to get better and they got to figure out a way to win these close games. And I think in some ways they might be a victim of their own success in that situation because there is such a belief that we're just going to come back and win. I'm not saying that they don't want to or that they don't try hard. But it does it does take away a little bit of the focus, potentially, when you just know that you have done it so many times. Yeah. Your sense of urgency isn't quite the same, and there is something to be said for kind of where are you getting that energy and, and, and those plays yeah. from. I will say that the, the record in the one-score games this year is a little misleading because three of those were two-score games where they went down and scored a touchdown. So it was like – and, again, we're talking about the turnovers were factoring all those. Chicago yeah. – yeah. Uh, this week and last week where it was a one-score game, turnover either was a score or leads to a score, and then you're trying this furious comeback. So, you know, on one hand, you can't have those fourth-quarter turns. you got to stop doing that. But on the other hand, to say they're losing all these close games, what's wrong with them? Well, it's, 
part of it is it's impressive they made them all close. It's That is true. But the number that I'm sure that coaches are not happy with is third down efficiency. And we've talked about it. When the Seahawks have been really good this year, they're converting mm-hmm. on third down. They were just two of nine for 22% on Sunday. That's a problem. Yeah, the Rams really got to them with good pressure on third down. Yes. You know, I, th- I think overall the offensive line is protected really well. But when you give Aaron Donald a third down where it's a you know pretty obvious passing situation, doesn't even have to be third and 12 or anything. If it's third and five, you're probably throwing the ball, and when they can pin their ears back and get after you, that's that's a tough team to block. And speaking of getting after the quarterbacks, here's kind of the other number that I didn't really want to see, but it's a second straight week. I don't think our defense has recorded a turnover. Yeah. Which, after look, they the, have and, racked up a lot, yeah. and I don't want to take anything away from them. But, again, you got to find a way to get to some of these quarterbacks because Aaron Rodgers is another tough one who's got the veteran savvy, who does not go down easy. No, and does not turn the ball over often at all. So, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes pressure, or not even sometimes, pressure is almost always the best way to create turnovers. And it, it's been a little tough to get home, get the get to the quarterback these last couple games. But, yeah, you've got to find a way. As Pete Carroll pointed out, that was the difference in that game. These teams were back and forth really even. The Rams were the team that came up with a late turnover, and that changed the game. Seahawks were so close to getting one, that tip ball that, that Jaron Reed almost hauled in at the sideline. You get that play, we might be talking about a different result. So, yeah, it, they need to, you know, two games for this defense without a turnover. It's, they went all year without getting shut out in that department until two weeks ago. So they got to get that trend going back in the right direction, start winning the turnover battle. And as you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers does not turn the ball over very often. He has not thrown an interception since September 30th of this year and so to get that out of Aaron Rodgers would be a pretty impressive feat indeed and yeah that's like you said get get to the quarterback that makes it a lot easier to get those mistakes getting to the quarterback I know that that falls a lot on you know Frank Clark we saw Deion Jordan play his best game of the year against the Rams I'm curious though as we kind of start to transition into what the matchup looks like on Thursday night what is the status of KJ Wright and how how did he maybe impact that game, but not in the way that we thought he would on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he's just still battling that knee a little bit. And as Pete Carroll pointed out, he just didn't feel right when he got in that game. And, you know, I I don't want to blame him for anything, but there are times we saw it with Bobby Wagner last year where guys, you know, they're trying to be good team guys and, and they're going out there and giving it their all, but they just don't quite look 100%. And we see now with a couple guys who are playing through injuries this year, so... In terms of his status, we don't know yet what that will look like. You know, I'm sure KJ is going to do everything he can to get out there. But, you know, I would assume we're going to hear from Pete Carroll on Wednesday that, you know, we're going to wait and see on game day. So it's it's tough. You want him out there. He's one of your best defensive players. The good news is they've been really excited with what they've gotten out of Arquivius Mingo. And so maybe that makes it a little easier to make that move if you think you need to to give KJ that time off to get right. You're still going to have to find somebody else, though, to fill out that linebacking core. Although, interestingly enough, against the Rams, I think that they were in dime an awful lot. So you didn't in a lot need of nickel. that. You th- don't, yeah. yeah, if you're playing nickel and you they've shown that they like Mingo in that role now, yeah. you're talking, you know, maybe 10, 15 snaps that you need that third linebacker. And, you know, then then we look back at, you know, it's been Cleetro and Shaquille yes. Griffin in the past. So, you know, they, they like their depth at linebacker. It's probably, to me, it's as good as it's been in a long time in terms of just different guys that you trust to go in there and play. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have to wait and see. But, yeah, they, they, they need to not just get K.J. back, but at some point they need him to be healthy and be 
the player he's been in the past. And if on a short week that's not going to happen, then let him rest up because there's some big games here down the stretch and, and let the other guys take over. The Packers, meanwhile, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't feel sorry for them at all. However, this is a challenge for them. It is. The Packers have not won on the road this year. Again, I don't feel sorry for them. Thursday is always a short week. They flew to Seattle on Tuesday, and no team who has had to travel two time zones west has ever won a game on Thursday night since 2006. Yeah, it's. I mean, Thursday night games are hard for both teams regardless, but when you make one of those teams travel two-thirds of the way across the country and go on the – you know, we always talk about when we go east and it's hard with the body clock in the, the morning, early... which is true. That's a factor, but I think it can also be tough when that kickoff feels like 7.30, 8.30 at night – depending on what time zone you're in. And, and by the end of that game, guys are just tired because they're used to being in bed or close to it. So, Wait yeah. Wait a second. At 8 o'clock, you're used to going to bed? No, by you the have... end of the game. Oh, the end. I thought, oh, maybe it's because you have two small children and you do go to bed. Uh, I can't even get my bed. kids in bed by 8 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, that's like, a, that's wow. a miracle if That's impressive. I mean, sometimes I do, but I don't tell people no. that. Jeez. End okay, of the by game. By the end of the game. I'm talking 11 o'clock or whatever. I mean, I would have thought that their adrenaline would have kicked in by then. So, whatever, John. <laughs> anyway, it it's, is a, tough, it's task. a tough test, and you hope. You know, the Seahawks have been a really good Thursday night team, and they've done a lot of that on the road, granted, in the division, so they're not going far. But they haven't played a lot of home Sunday night games, or Thursday night games, excuse me, and they've still been a really good Thursday night team, which, you know, to me, partly speaks to the way Pete Carroll handles these weeks. He's They've got a good system to make sure guys are ready, but also well-rested and recovered from the previous game. So. Yeah, you know, you can't take anything for granted. You can't just assume it's going to be a win because of the travel, but that is an advantage for the Seahawks for sure. But the Packers are one of the best in football when it comes to rushing yards per carry. They are averaging over five yards a carry, and this, I think, is going to be the biggest matchup. And we talked about the Seahawks' run game. How about the Packers' run game where they've unleashed Aaron Jones, their second-year running back? He's coming off the best game that he has had all season against the Dolphins where he rushed for 54 yards on the opening drive alone. And so for the middle of the field for the Seahawks, this one's going to be a big one. You know, every time I think of the Packers and I think of Aaron Rodgers, I think of how he can sling it down the field. This is a different Packer team. It is. And that's been an area of concern for the Seahawks defense, especially the last couple of games. It's happened differently. The, the, I feel like the Chargers beat him more on some, you know, stuff to the edge. And we saw some big fly sweeps. Melvin Gordon got his yards. But the the Rams really they they got some more traditional running between the tackles and Todd Gurley had a really big game over 100 yards so you know the Seahawks know they got to clean that up as you mentioned Aaron Jones he's averaging 6.8 yards a carry which is obviously very very good so you know as much as you know Aaron Rodgers can be really good and can carry an offense you want to force him to do that and not just make it or, and do make him one-dimensional and not let them be balanced like they want to be. I wonder if part of it will come into play where your eyes aren't going to be tested quite as much. I mean, you're going to have to be on your game playing Aaron Rodgers, but what we have seen the last couple of teams do with a lot of those fly sweeps and kind of changing at the line of scrimmage, the defensive players will all say they're trying to test your eyes and your discipline. Aaron Rodgers does that in a different way. I wonder if that offensive style for the uh, Packers just allows – the Seahawks would play more instinctually, I guess, yeah. is what I'm getting to. Yeah, that's true. With with some of the runs we've seen, it's been more stuff that tests their discipline. And, you know, we saw some pretty creative stuff. Even on what, you know, what ended up being a handoff, you'd have some misdirection, a fake pitch, and then a handoff. So, 
yeah, it's you know, no no off no running game is easy, and you don't want to take anything for granted. But I do think it might be a little more traditional to defend than what we've seen in these last two games. We will also get a chance to see Jimmy Graham. At least we think Jimmy Graham is going to be playing this week. I would imagine that he's looking for I'm sure he is. A, a little bit of, I don't know if revenge is the right word against his former team, but usually when you play a former team, you want to do well and exactly. you want to show them what they're missing out on. Yeah. Here's the thing with Jimmy Graham's numbers this year. 33 receptions, 439 yards. He's had a couple of touchdowns. He had just one catch last week. His knee has been a problem for him. And the Seahawks tight ends just together have essentially equaled the production of Jimmy Graham. So I I think it's when you kind of look at that move, I think it probably all evened out. Yeah, I mean, they knew that it was going to cost a lot of money to keep him and they had, you know, not a lot of cap space and other priorities. So, you know, good for Jimmy Graham. He got his money, and we saw with him here, you know, it took a little while to get on the same page with the new quarterback and get going, and then he had some really good games and good years with Russell Wilson. So I I by no means think that this is a sign that he's just done and isn't going to put up big numbers, but it it is for – for that position and with a new offense, it does a lot of times take some time to just get everybody on the same page. So I certainly wouldn't sleep on him this week and no. assume that he can't be a difference maker because we've we've seen it when he, especially in the red zone, he's really tough to stop. Yeah, although it'll be interesting because this defense has faced Jimmy Graham before when he was with the Saints. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what that dynamic actually looks too like on Thursday. Too bad Bruce Irvin didn't end up here, you know, just for old times. A Bruce Irvin, Jimmy Graham reunion, that, pregame. That, um, that was classic. I don't, I don't know if... Yeah, there's any love lost on that one. It's not a love fest when those two get together. Uh, It's not a love fest when the Packers and the Seahawks get together, that's for sure. It is going to be a battle at CenturyLink on Thursday night. We've mentioned there are definitely playoff implications on the line for both teams, the Seahawks, with home field advantage, with a few different advantages. We will see how that turns out. And then we will plan a Sunday off. Isn't that right, John? Yeah. I don't know if I'll watch as much football as you. I, I always have good intentions, and then I fall asleep during the, <laughs> during the early games. I try. I try really hard. I'll probably be busy with the kids. Yeah. yeah. I'll try to watch a little bit here and there. I will definitely be watching the red zone. I will definitely be on the couch. I will definitely have a beverage in hand for most of the day. If I do that for too long, I'll probably get yelled at. Well, yeah, don't get in trouble at home. Because we need you back here next week, which is when you will hear from us again on the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. Thanks for listening.